Hello, I'm Charlotte Watts. Welcome to these podcasts that were first broadcast live in my Facebook group, Charlotte Watts Calm. Hope you enjoy them. And if you want more, please look at my website, charlottewattshealth.com. Hello, welcome to this brief session about self-compassion. And that is the importance of being able to direct compassion towards ourselves. And this is very interesting and concept, especially for people who are very able, used to, oriented around looking after others and finding it quite easy to direct compassion out away from ourselves, essentially, it can be much easier to give out to others than it is to actually offer it to ourselves. And in many cases, offer it to others is a distraction from actually seeing ourselves as part of community, of as deserving of compassion, of loving kindness as anyone else might be. And to give that back to ourselves often can come with a a sense of that being selfish or self-centered. And yet we would expect if someone were to take a sense of reception, receiving kindness from ourselves, that that wouldn't be a a selfish, self-centered act on their part. So sometimes this idea of being able to be kind, gentle to ourselves can get rather lost in a sense, almost like a double standard of what we feel we deserve and what we feel we offer out to others. So the word compassion is interesting. It's very much a kind of act of kindness, something that comes with a sense of direction and a sense of movement. And often compassion practices, particularly within uh, the Buddhist canon, will come under metta practices or metta bhavna. And metta means essentially loving kindness, but one of its many translations is also things like gentleness, friendliness, which can actually, for some people who are less used to kind of using language that might be around love, for instance, which can often be a bit of a barrier for people. The idea of friendliness is a really lovely place to start. And particularly is if you've got a harsh inner critic, and that can come from when we're very young, that we have voices, we have statements put upon us that make us feel that we're not deserving of kindness. So it becomes a lot easier to accept that those statements that we give ourselves in our head, you're so like that, you're so like this, even quite vicious, harsh language that we would give to ourselves. If we actually say those out loud or write them down, they're things that we would just never say to another person. So this idea of self-compassion really is a sense of being friendly to ourselves and being our own friend, much like we would be a friend to others. So it's the same kind of quality. And I think it's really key way to start to have a relationship with self-compassion is to 
watch our language, our inner language. And it might be that stuff is so conditioned from a young age. It's so kind of in there that it's not that we need to berate ourselves for the kind of language we use, like piling more upon the harsh voices, but rather start to kind of eke out, notice when we might just have those habits of a quite an inner, inner critic, an inner almost kind of in a bully even it can get to or really kind of putting ourselves down because often that inner critic is there as a very old survival strategy so it can be our way of making stopping us doing things like oh you couldn't possibly do that or if you go for something like an interview just kind of creating doubt or kind of negative voices and they can be a very old survival strategies just to keep us from putting ourselves in situations where we might feel rejection we might feel a sense of failure for instance so a lot of these harsh inner critics a lot of these barriers this resistance to self-compassion are habits those need to have a sense of kindness towards them as something that essentially is a, is a survival technique. Now, but it might not be something that serves us particularly well. We might have got into that habit that then actually kind of chips away at our sense of reserve, our sense of self-support in the world. If someone else talked to us in the way that we often talk to ourselves, it would be devastating for us. And yet we receive these voices without any sense of kind of counterwill, any sense of pushback from ourselves. And in fact, we may even believe those voices to be true. And it's very, I think it's a very key point to realize and to, and to counter and to play with that our thoughts are not us. Often we have quite a irreverent attitudes towards our thoughts that every one of them is gold and they are absolutely true and they must be listened to and taken to absolutely as read but if you do an exercise where you write down your thoughts for 10 minutes you might see that actually a lot of it is us going around the same old kind of patterns those voices again that are harsh and actually not true and actually there's a lot of stuff in there that's quite a lot of padding and just a lot of using language for our own distraction So the more that we can start to see a sense of self-compassion as friendliness to ourselves, making friends with ourselves when we might have had a little bit of a disjointed relationship, one that kindness could come in. And maybe you have a relationship like that outside yourself with another person. Family members, for instance, we can be, or partners, we can get very easily into habits of talking in language that is harsh and less considered and that we might just feel is kind of okay because it's habitual. But actually, if we start to examine it, that it can be quite chipping away at our resources and our uh, determined, you know, a strong sense of self and a place to come to that feels centered and grounded and safe. So in terms of self-compassion, it's really important to realize that this isn't selfish. Self-compassion isn't putting ourselves above others. In fact, it is seeing ourselves as part of community. So when we give out compassion, it isn't offering it to something that is other than ourselves. When we offer compassion into the community, it's really important to, to understand that we are part of the community. And it is not to see ourselves as separate. It is to include ourselves within that. 
And self-compassion is incredibly important for our own resources. Only if we are feeding our own sense of compassion, our own sense of empathy, truly are we able to offer it out to others. Because that's the way that we actually practice it and it becomes something that is incredibly deeply felt and has resonance within us. Otherwise, it can be something that is actually sent out without a real embodied sense of awareness. Because within mindfulness, for instance, there are really two really important factors that feed into themselves continually. And that is awareness and compassion. And awareness without compassion runs the risk of simply becoming vigilance, simply becoming looking out. It's more about kind of beware than aware. And compassion, where we are putting it out to others, but it doesn't come back to ourselves. It's not a kind of cyclical feeding back in again, becomes disjointed from ourselves. So we don't have that center of ourselves, that root, that real sense of kindness, that we understand what kindness is, because we understand also what it is to not direct kindness to ourselves. And the kind of the hole that that leaves, but also the way that that chips away at our resources and our capacity to love others and to send out that friendliness and gentleness to others. Because when we don't have those resources of self-compassion, then actually, although it might be that we can have almost like a facade of caring, if you like, what often happens is because it doesn't feed us, we can get what's called compassion fatigue, which is very common in people who care for others, very common in kind of nursing professions, in professions where people look after others, social work, for instance, where compassion resources can be very, very worn down when people aren't feeling the coherent support of a big network, or they're asked to be in situations where they're kind of giving, 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 and there's not that support back. And particularly when that support doesn't come from things like hugs, it doesn't come from things like cohesion of the tribe, the extended family, things that we don't have more available to us, perhaps in modern society. So we don't have that continual feeding back. And that disjoint can add into the fact that we don't necessarily feel that we are deserving of kindness. So when that we have that compassion fatigue, you know, and it doesn't need to be on a very larger level, it can just be on a kind of day to day level, it can be that we feel less tolerant to others. So although maybe we have to keep giving out, and it's become our habit to give out more to others than ourselves. If we're not feeding those resources, actually there can be a kind of a brittleness about it and we can react when we meet others and that, that our internal world meets our external world. Then we can have a lack of tolerance and a, maybe there's a kind of even feelings of resentment and they might not be obvious to us. They might be more unconscious than conscious, but feelings of resentment that we're not being looked after. So it's really important as well in terms of self-compassion to have really good boundaries, to be able to say no to things that might be asked of us, to be able to ask for things that we need, particularly if, if we have a kind of setup within a group, a family, a work situation um, where we have got into roles where we care for others, but we're not so good at asking for what we need ourselves or it's become habitual within a group that we give, but we don't necessarily receive. 
and often self-compassion. You know, this stuff isn't fluffy, um, as one of my mindfulness teachers said. It's strong stuff because often we have to reassert our boundaries and how we ask for what we need. So self-compassion isn't just about doing practices that specifically are about fostering our internal world of self-compassion, but how we meet our external world as well. And the two are continually feeding back into us, us reaching out to the world and the world reaching back into us. And the more that our compassion can flow both outwards and back into ourselves, then the more that our barriers between that internal and external can have a lovely soft kind of permeable quality. It doesn't feel that we need to harden our outer shell to protect us because often, you know, particularly if we're not fostering our inner resources. So a quote from the mindfulness teacher, Jack Cornfield is, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. So it isn't cyclical. It doesn't have the ability to feed and to garden, if you like. Often mindfulness is analogized with gardening, tending, tending to this compassion and awareness, and that must include ourselves. So one of the ways that it can include ourselves are metta practices. So metta, as I said before, means loving kindness, but it can also be translated as friendliness gentleness, kindness. Metta bhavna is one of the key Buddhist meditation practices. And metta there, loving kindness, and and bhavana means to practice or develop. So it is the cultivation, the development of loving kindness. And a metta bhavna practice, and I will put up one of, a link to one of mine, and there there are many out on the internet, uh, metta bhavna practices, Traditionally, they follow um, kindness to oneself and then kindness to someone that we have an easy and close connection to, then someone that we have a a passing acquaintance to, and then someone who we have difficulty with. And then it might go out to including all of those as a group and then going out into the larger community. And then it can come back to the self. There are slightly different ways of doing that. But many of us can focus on just doing a metabhavna practice, a meditation, a focus on offering kindness to ourselves. And there's a very, very valid resourcing practice just to give back some of the heart stuff that might need nourishing, particularly if we've given out to others and we might feel a bit depleted in the heart chakra, we might say in yoga, or depleted in the heart area. And it can help to say some phrases to ourselves. Now, some would offer to say phrases like, I am. Um, And I am is it can often be a little problematic because if you're not feeling that I am, then you can create a pushback or a conversation within yourself. So language that offers might be may I. So may I be safe? May I be happy? May I be free? Like freedom. Most kind of Eastern philosophies are moving towards this idea of liberation, this idea of moving beyond the stuff that we go around in the mind all the time. So may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I be free? Anything that really resonates with you to be able to offer yourself kindness. May I offer kindness to myself? May I offer friendliness to myself? 
anything that really resonates with you. So it can really help to write those down and just play with those in terms of a real felt sense. Now, it can be when we first come to do these kind of self-compassion practices to ourselves. It's something I really felt when I first started them, that that's really difficult. It might seem easy to offer it to someone else, but then to oneself, it can feel, but to me, it felt like, you know, stepping on the side of a chasm and kind of great big void, or it can bring up a sense of guilt that it's, uh, we're offering that to ourselves and not to others. And those are feelings to be played with. So like any feelings that might come up during a mindfulness practice, offering compassion to the feelings and feeling a sense of space. And we can particularly physically palpably feel that space within an exhalation. So when anything, an emotion, a bodily sensation, a thought, a feeling rises up, if we let that rise up into a feeling of expanse, rather than a kind of constricted reaction, then it has room to dissipate, it has room to move through. And if when something arises, it comes into a big open field of space, then you can be with it, you can feel where that has a felt sense in your body. And in that way that we can simply learn to be with what the feelings are of bringing self-compassion to ourselves, bringing self-compassion to that a kind field of attention and just being with how that is for you. There's no right and there's no wrong. This is a practice that means that it is something that we are developing. And it's interesting to see how we are with that. And we can use a phrase which is incredibly useful, which one of my teachers, Judith Lassiter, suggested using, which is when something arises, when it is our habit to criticize ourselves or use harsh words or judgment to say how human of me, how human of me to be harsh to myself, how human of me to have self-criticism, how human of me to criticize myself for criticizing myself in a kindness meditation, anything that arises, how human of me. We're all going through it. And part of fostering self-compassion is to realize that we are all in this together and offering compassion to ourselves is offering it out to others as part of community so coming back to that idea again and again and again so self-compassion isn't something that separates us from others it's something that really allows us to be with others so i'm going to leave you here with a quote from the dalai lama if you don't love yourself you cannot love others you will not be able to love others If you have no compassion for yourself, then you are not able of developing compassion for others. So that said over and over again in many ways, and so many of us can feel that depleted, that compassion fatigue when we might find it easier to give out to others than it is to ourselves. And I do know that as a habit, it's quite a difficult one to get out of. But it really starts with a little focus, a little kindness, and the self-care that comes from giving ourselves time for recovery, giving ourselves time for the things that make us feel comfortable, happy, recovered, taking time for a bath, taking time out for a walk, saying to others, I need time, I need other people to look after me too, 
all of that stuff is it about self-care is self-compassion so happy exploring you are deserving of kindness which is another key phrase within metabhavna i too am deserving of kindness so I wish you much friendliness and kindness within your practice and do send through any comments or questions that you have. And just saw some Mary there saying, love Judith. Yes, love Judith Lassiter. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Namaste. Namaste.